Welcome to Talk in the Groove, presented by me, Bob Hill, from The Return of the Illicit Groove. In this episode, we are absolutely delighted to be talking the groove with singer, composer and lyricist, the brilliant Tess Hurst. You will no doubt know of Tess through her 2019 album, These Days, released on the Jazz Refresh label and created, written and performed with bassist Daniel Casimir. Tess and I spoke just as she is recording her new album. Welcome to Talk in the Groove with Tess Hurst. Yeah, I'd like to open with a quote of yours that um, really struck me, actually. Uh, The truth isn't always hopeful, but the telling of it is. Yeah. And I I really like that, and I... um, Mm -hmm. And I understand, I understand it, if I said it, I would understand it from my point of view, but I, mm-hmm. I would like you to explain from your point of view mm-hmm. uh, what you meant by that quote. Okay, I I think that quote is specific to um, the album, my last album that I co-wrote with Daniel Casimir called These Days, um, released by Jazz Refreshed Record Label in 2019. And actually the whole album had a theme running through it that we were trying to comment on society and politics of that time. Um, mm-hmm. I hope we did that. <laughs> I don't know if, if you ever do that well, but um, that was the intention. And I often thought what was happening was, wasn't good, it wasn't right. Um, we were focusing a lot on the seemingly negative aspects of political changes happening at the time. And I wondered whether that's something that people wanted to hear. Why would somebody put a record on that um, wasn't happy or joyful um, necessarily? But I believed it was important to do anyway, because if we're able to acknowledge and view these things that are wrong with the society that we live in perhaps that's the first step to being able to change them um so that's hopeful and and that's joyful whereas the subject matter isn't (laughs) um but I think just to start it's a starting point it's the start of a conversation Hmm. well we we are very much going to be talking about um the album yeah that you did with daniel definitely (laughs) absolutely uh one of the things i was gonna i was sort of fascinated by that sort of linked in with that quote and Mm -hmm. really with what you've just said as well is uh so is lyricism and songwriting is the con i guess is the conduit for your truth for whatever your truth is yes absolutely um it's one vehicle through which to express how you're feeling but actually I think there's a bigger responsibility is to take your own observations and experiences and open them up to what I would imagine are shared experiences for all of us or try to (laughs) um I never seem I'm, I'm not that interested in things that only affect me I suppose uh, things that we can all be a part of, movements we can all be a part of. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it is my truth. The lyrics are definitely my truth. I just hope they mean something to other people as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, we'll talk about this more in depth. Uh, yeah. But what did I do? I- I'm from West London, so as soon as I heard it, I thought, yeah, yeah, Park Royal, Wilson, massive. Um, yeah, so, you know, as soon as I heard it, I thought, oh, that that's mm-hmm. my truth was that's me, can't mm-hmm. afford to live back in the city I was born in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so I got it from, Yeah, and Bob, that's yeah. the reality of so many of us from that area and from across London. We can't mm. live there. So it's that concept of home. What does that mean? Are we, when my mum left Wembley, for example, a few years ago, I thought, am I still from there? Because I can't afford to live there. My mum is no longer there. Is it home? But of course it is. Um, It's all that I ever knew. 
Um, but mm. that's it's see these these bigger things like <laughs> the um, housing market and the cost of inflation and how much that affects our sense of self really um, mm. and our sense of identity and our sense of home. So it seems like a something far away and over there, but actually it has really big impacts on people and, and our lives. And very much in that sense then, that's your truth is very much a universal truth. I'd hope so. In, in that sense. So, yeah, yeah that, yeah. Um, and we'll come back to the album and we'll definitely come back to What Did I Do Later as well because uh, Pure Literary is my favourite track on the album. So <laughs> I'm going to selfishly ask you about that. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm going to take you back to the lyrics. Um, mm -hmm. Love Sunday. I just yeah. think the, the the lyrics in that are so poetic. Thank um, you. And the opening, I'm not a man, but I am an island. I just think, boom, grab it straight away. <laughs> you know, that's such yeah. a beautiful opening line. Um, and, I, and I just wondered how much of you studied uh, perform, mm -hmm. um, performance lyricism and composition. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, how important to you is the lyrics and the lyricism mm -hmm. um, in in terms of it being, again, let's get back to this yeah. idea of the artist speaking their truth. Yeah, I think that's such a good question, Bob, because the older I've gotten, the more I think that actually I think the lyrics are the most important part for me. <laughs> uh, we have to use our words to say something and as much as being a musician is about being creative you it's a whole new skill you have to develop to write lyrics it's completely separate because it isn't necessarily technical um you know you can practice your instrument or your singing and scales and warm-ups and techniques for hours and hours and hours but you can write for the same amount of time and then and nothing changes and nothing comes so it feels slightly more of a spiritual practice to write words down um but it's nice to hear you mention um love sundays because i always think not many people have heard it or look back um so yeah thanks for listening to it it was one of the first my first release actually ever mm. um yeah, and I think I was still maybe finding myself lyrically. It didn't have a very strong story. It was lots of concepts put together um, about days of the week, and I still love Sundays, actually. Um, mm. I think there's something special about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, that, that, I mean, that does come over in the song, in the track, actually, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, it's interesting that... Um, is it, uh, how can I put this? Mm -hmm. What a good artist does, uh, w whether it's visual or or whether it's um, music, is mm -hmm. can take something that um, can seem quite mundane, like a Absolutely. Sunday, yeah, and turn it into something that's an exploration, I guess, of self. Mm -hmm. um, how do we how do we deal with our day off and things like that and, yeah. and how do we fill our time and that's what I loved about that that's what I love about the lyrics in that track and and you know what I I had forgotten this but I wrote that after seeing Prince at the Shepherd's Bush Empire on a Sunday evening and that's oh, that why is so proper West London I know <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry to interrupt, please carry isn't on. Isn't it? Isn't it? And, and that, <laughs> that's, I just remembering the lyrics, um, like he plays his guitar on a Sunday. That's what I wanted to have at least half of the energy that Prince had that Sunday I saw him in Shepherd's Bush Energy, in Shepherd's Bush Empire Energy. Um, yeah, and I think that was, that was something I had never done on a Sunday before. <laughs>
I think uh, what makes good, I'm going to say art because I think this is across all the different um, uh, disciplines that you can call art. I think what makes art fascinating is uh, yeah. how you can take something that's quite ordinary in everybody's lives can be quite ordinary and it can yeah. become extraordinary. And this, going back to what you said Absolutely. earlier, even when you're talking about subject matter, which is a bit negative, it's still yeah. something that people will recognise. And it's that, I guess it's that thing of, oh, I, it's not just me who thinks that, then, you know, for the, for the yeah, listener. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Um, if you see a little bit of yourself or your experience in the work of someone else, that's priceless. Mm. Mm. You know, that's the point of it all. Yeah, and it, it, so it must be quite, I, I guess it must be quite edifying if you've put all the time and the effort and the creative energy into a piece of music and then mm -hmm. the response comes back of, so let's say, with uh, what did I do, you know, the, the response comes back yeah. with, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it's like for me and I understand what you're saying because yeah. that's my story as well. It's... Uh, yeah that it's amazing to hear Bob because as much as you think these stories come back to you once you've released music actually you you rarely hear any real feedback oh, really? <laughs> um yeah you just kind of let it go out there and then hope for the best and maybe somebody will write about it maybe they won't um but to hear a personal story to hear that someone else identifies with a song that's really special and thank you. And and something that you, I genuinely don't hear. That oh, often. okay. Oh well, I'm I'm glad I said it. I'm glad I mentioned <laughs> it. But um, yeah, me too. Okay. Um, it's interesting though because I was talking in a previous episode or the previous episode with Iana mm. Witter Johnson, and we were talking about the concept of there's a literary concept called the death of the author. Um, I don't know if you know it, mm -hmm. but it's this idea that once you've no, once you've written what you've written, once it's published mm -hmm. or once it's out there, the meaning will change yeah. because of whoever's reading it. So wherever the author, yeah. wherever you may have meant yeah. as the author, the, the 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 reader, the consumer, the listener, whatever is going to have yeah. bring their own ideas to it. And I just wonder if. Um, uh, if that's mm. anything, have, have you ever sort of had something come, 
any feedback come back to you and you think, I didn't know that was in there. I wrote it and I didn't know it was there. <laughs> um, not, not specifics, but um, when I suppose just the, the write-ups of, of these days focused quite heavily on the politics side mm. of it. Um, and uh, of course, like I said, we wrote it with a theme and uh, observational theme. That was our intention. But to see it, we we also just wrote what we were observing. Mm. So it, we didn't have a political intention, I suppose. So some 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 ways it was picked up um, by certain sides of different fractions of politics was a surprise because it was never our intention to support or not support uh, certain parties or um, people or activists um, but it seemed to resonate with them a little mm. bit more than others so that that was interesting because we didn't we didn't brand it you know it wasn't yeah I didn't have an official political party no, attached to no. it at all um, but it definitely resonated with certain leanings. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I, it's the quote, another quote I picked up of uh, of yours. Uh, it was mm -hmm. to observe and document the times we are living in. And I thought that was, mm -hmm. uh, and as you've already said, it was quite specifically about when you were writing it. Um, you were observing and documenting yeah. the moment that you were writing. So, yes, absolutely. And it's a real... Um, sorry it was it was before the um, the pandemic um and therefore before the global movement of black lives matter it was before some of those kind of huge transformational moments for the world mm. um but now i look at it and think maybe it we always thought it was coming something was bubbling in 2017 2018 and then we released it in 2019 um and it was dan dan and i had been to school together in greenford in west london so that was our shared experiences and that's the starting point for the album mm -hmm. really um so when i mentioned greenford in what did i do that's because he, neither he or I recognise our old school or the surrounding area. Oh, wow. <laughs> Time travelling, my mind is unravelling. I thought maybe he would save me. In this grey city where you are all too busy, will this patient survive the operation? Nothing real happens in Dalston anymore. And I don't recognize Greenford anymore. We could choose to stop this, but we don't. And we won't make a judgment when you see me. I'd make a good wife, I would try.
The school itself is just so built up now. Um, back and where there used to be pubs, there's now flats. Mm, yeah. Um, and 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 we neither of us have to go to that area really anymore. Um, so I suppose there was some nostalgia around mm. it as well. Yeah, yeah. But nostalgia yeah. is um, it's a strange thing. Nostalgia it can it can be quite dangerous. I mean, yeah. you know, I think. Yes, I, I think do. the uh, result of the uh, referendum, you know, the EU referendum was yeah. driven by nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And and nostalgia yeah. can sometimes be of an imagined past. But, oh, completely. but there's also that sense that when you go back to a place that you have a connection with and it changes, uh, it's, it's quite a fertile it's quite fertile ground yeah. for creativity because all these different emotions will Definitely. come in. And, um, yeah. And, okay. and yeah. it's also really cool to hear Greenford mentioned in a song. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because Dan and I disagreed on this, Bob, because he said we shouldn't mention it because no one knows where <laughs> it is. And I said, that's the point because only people who know, know. So we kept yeah. it in. But we disagreed yeah. on it. I was waiting for Perry Vale and Elon to get a mention as well. Yeah. Um, but that is, is, well, that's interesting as well, because that leads me nicely. Uh, as you said, you, you you and Daniel went to school together. And and yeah. uh, so uh, I've, if I've read this correctly, he was a, he was in the year above you. And you yep. used to uh, yeah. hang out together in the music room. Yeah, yeah. which is really cool. I love that. I just love the the sense of that as well. I just think um, there's something about that that's yeah. quite um, like quite telling as well in the album. I think. Um, but, yeah. but I was intrigued by the process. Then, what was the creative process between you, and um, mm-hmm. how much of you know? I, I don't mean by ratio, but how much. Uh, yeah, you know how did the music come around as a as a collaborative process? Yeah, um, it is. It was a an interesting process, and it worked for us. And it involved um, redoing things again and again, and creating new versions of songs just to see if it was better than the one we had before. Oh, okay. So, in some, I know that a lot of people don't do that and it feels like a lot of extra work but it is part of our process when we work together um because it's I'd find it very like the true meaning of innovation because neither of us know what's going to come of this collaboration or this track that we're making and I think some of the ideas I have only come because of 
the music that he's written and then he will often rearrange a song based on the vocals that I've put down on it so it really is um it comes from both of us if if that makes any sense <laughs> so I think with these days we started by um I started to write lyrics and melodies just to some demos that Dan had and then he would rearrange it again and then something else that we do is take parts of one song and move them to a new song and chop and change the sections so it's quite um it's an uprooting process you can put something down but it doesn't mean that it will stay there Mm. (laughs) and it's a um, we might talk about this later, but it's a similar process to the one that I'm having for my own album, which I'm working on Oh, now. well, that's great, because yeah. I'm definitely going to ask you about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the new it's album. Go on, let's go straight into that then. Ooh. Okay. I think this is one of the first times I've spoken about it to anyone that hasn't been a part of it. So, um, yeah, I hope I say it well um but we tracked the album in the studio just at the end of last year um it is a concept album surprise surprise uh slightly different to these days in that i want to just tell or try to tell one story from start to finish um i'm hoping it will be a continuous sound a continuous story the whole way through uh one narrative um it has some incredible musicians on that I'm even now I still feel shocked that I got to work with them it has Daniel Casme on bass and also he is producing the album um it has Richard Spaven on drums it has Sarah Tandy on keys and then I was lucky enough to work with String Ting the um string quartet by Tomorrow's Warriors Mm. So we have a, a string quartet on the album, which was new for me. And that was very much something that was led by Dan and his work with orchestral or um, arrangements on his last album. So I'm grateful to him. But yes, it seems to be coming together. Uh, it's not finished, but it's it's nearly there. Have you got an estimated? Um, at least now it exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there must be uh an act i I can imagine the well you tell me how does it feel to have something that Mm. i guess starts in here and then there's a a physical copy of it somewhere or at least a physical recording of it somewhere where that that is there a kind of a almost like you're going through a checkpoint (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a bit of a milestone that's, to be able to listen that's the back. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> I can think of the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definite milestone, and um, yeah, it's it's also a long journey mm. from having an idea to recording something, and especially to having it in your hand. That's I think people think that's quicker than it is. It can be years, and and you often lose faith a few mm. times. I was part of that journey. You think it's never going to happen. My studio session was cancelled twice um, because of COVID and the various lockdowns. Mm. Um, And I wasn't sure it was ever going to happen. Um, But yeah, it has. We're not there yet. (laughs) I don't think I can celebrate yet. Um, Still got quite a bit of work to do, but it's it's definitely on the way. Mm which is more than it was a year ago. And is there an estimated release date? Um, I would like, I had planned on releasing it this year, um, but I know that there is such a backlog on vinyl mm. orders and I would like to release it on vinyl. Yeah. So just that backlog itself, I think, is nine months. You put in an order and you wait mm. nine months for it to arrive. So just with those time frames, it's looking tight for this year but i'm gonna mm. try <laughs> i'm gonna push and, and for what it. label yeah. is it, have you got a label sorted well no not yet uh jazz refreshed were instrumental in me receiving funding they supported my funding applications and they have supported my previous releases and 
they've been like mentors through this whole process, but I haven't shown it to them yet. So I'm excited to see what oh, they think. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah. you've mentioned two organisations um, um, that are so fundamental in bringing new music, and that's Tomorrow's Warriors and Jazz Refreshed. It's, uh, and yeah. I love I'm pleased you used the word mentor because I was going to say to you, do you feel mentored? Yeah. Um, <laughs> who have been your mentors throughout? Um, you know, the, yeah. So um, I guess well, you've already said Jazz Refresh, but are there others that have been that you feel like have mm-hmm. been positive mentors for you? Mm-hmm. Either um, as individuals or organisations? Yeah, so I think definitely as on an indiv- individual level, Dan, Daniel Casimir, you know, he and I are friends and colleagues and there's the the friendship element is really important and has been. I feel able to run ideas past him. I feel able to ask advice. Um, And he's a friend in music that I believe is is really supportive of me. And and actually, you don't always have that. Um, I think... Jazz Refresh, definitely. Adam, Yvette, Justin, Garth, Bunny, all of them. I feel able to um, count to ask for their counsel on certain things and ask for their advice and help. And they give it freely. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I suppose in a different sense, PRS Women Make Music, they have generously funded my new album and that's a mentorship because it it's expensive yeah. <laughs> and it wouldn't have happened without them. I wouldn't have been able to to work with who I've worked with and I wouldn't have been able to get the studio. Um, Mobo Help Musicians Fund, they are mentoring in the sense that they've also supported this financially mm. and Help Musicians over the lockdown have just been incredible. I was able to do two or three songwriting courses with Chris Difford oh, wow. over last lockdown. Yeah, and that was through Help Musicians. And those online writing courses really just kept me going. They were so vital at that time. I'm going to have to come back to the Chris Difford thing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> was there any, uh, any West London, South London tension there? <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that because um when i think of squeeze songs they're so fundamentally so many mm-hmm. of them are so fundamentally about being from south london exactly yeah and, definitely and, uh, and uh, you know as mm-hmm. we've already discussed um mm-hmm. on the out on mm-hmm. these days there's that definitely that west london thing mm-hmm. going on and um yeah and th- when i was able to talk and hear from Chris Difford on those sessions it was such an inspiration because he is such a champion of lyricism Mm. being its own discipline you know that it is important the words on the page are that's what people sing back he used to say to us you know don't ever dismiss that you've oh I've only written the lyrics because he really valued them and I think he taught me to as well excellent oh that's really good I mean that's 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 really important though isn't it to sort yeah. of value your own abilities yeah. and your own skill set and your own discipline, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and not not to just, I don't know, you just kind of, oh, yeah, wrote some things down on a page and sang it and, and actually just think, no, you should value the words. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah. It, um, so you said about observation, so you've also said you use your environment as an inspiration mm. uh, for you. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, well, I, you said you weren't, with these days, you didn't intend to be overtly political. But there was certainly mm-hmm. a, a comment on the environment that would be political and sociological yeah. as well, really. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but I guess also mm-hmm. there's that the actual sort of geography <laughs> and the, phys- the the physical environment that you observe as well. Yeah. It must have a... Definitely. And at that time, Bob Ives was working and spending a lot of time at SOAS, University of London, yeah. 
um, where I studied ethnomusicology, um, which is kind of like the anthropology of music and um, just being there, situated in central London, in what I'd still call quite a radical space politically. Mm. Um, just the common rooms or the JCR of SOAS, you will hear the most radical thoughts or most progressive sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's a really, really important space um, that I hope continues to be there for a long time. And and just being there allowed me to um, ask certain questions. And I think one of the songs that really was inspired by my time at SOAS was Security mm. and understanding um, those, the idea of national and global security and then reflecting it back to a personal level and protection um, and it is about CCTV, but it's also about trusting individuals in mm. your life and all the ways in which we look after ourselves, I suppose, um, and also how countries choose to defend or so-called defend um, their borders um, with their own state security. Just, just looking at all of those things um, together uh, in a reflective way wouldn't have happened if I wasn't at SOAS. Our security's not what we own. It lies in hearts of other souls and the front lines first off go alone. Our lives are not something they can own. This emotion's got you hypnotized And I slowly wish you'd change your mind about I'm still on your side
inspiring the art then isn't it absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure and the yeah. course itself so um it was a master's wasn't mm-hmm. it the yes yeah yes uh and um mm-hmm. you were looking now for so i've done my research properly it was yeah Cuban <laughs> and, Atlant- and atlantic african music is what i got there yeah so I, those were the two main courses that mm. i did but um when i did my own research there i I wrote about London-based hip hop. Ah, uh, yeah. Now um, I want to come to that in a second, if if, if we may, because I'm really okay. fa- I'm intrigued by yes. this. All I wanted to ask you, <laughs> the, 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 I was struck by the um, uh, what the the other part that we've just mentioned about the Cuban music and the um, uh, mm-hmm. Atlantic African music, exactly those West African rhythms, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. That have kind mm-hmm. of Yes. Um, well, for not very particularly good reasons, spread to the Americas and Brazil mm-hmm. and and Cuba and what have you. And I just wondered um, mm-hmm. whether those that kind of sound, those rhythms, those sort of Yoruba West African rhythms, were and and sounds were uh, already part of your, mm-hmm. if you like, influence kit for the, for the best. Yeah. Way. And, <laughs> and how did yeah. that change when? actually studying it in an academic sense Mm -hmm. yeah that's such a good um question so whilst I was at school um in Greenford (laughs) uh we were taken it was it was so crazy even now I think about it so crazy we were taken to do an exchange with the National School of Music in Havana um when I was in sixth form and this was a normal West London State School and it just had quite a visionary head teacher and he was also quite a communist so he really pushed for us all to go to Cuba as much as possible for his own reasons but it was transformational as an experience for me because I think the first time we went I was 16 Mm. and the second time I was 17 and we spent quite a considerable amount of time there and from those contacts I then continued to go back on various different projects um to cuba and i will always be a student of cuban music i think i will always try to learn more um about cuban music and that's such an umbrella term for everything underneath Mm. it um but i think what i value most as an insight is how valued the arts are there um and how important music is to Cuba and its culture and how much it means and and to have that insight as a 16 year old in in our society and in West London at that time of course we all loved music but society as a whole doesn't or didn't and doesn't value it in the same way um so that's what I would take away the most that you know it matters that our creativity um, and the art that we make matters. That is the biggest lesson I've learned from being in Cuba. But like I say, I'll always be a student of Cuban music. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent! Yeah. yeah. And the, and the um, the research project then. So what's it? The mm-hmm. the economy of hip hop. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was, and you said that. Uh, yeah. Hip-hop, <laughs> the economy of hip hop in, in London specifically was it? Yes, mm. it was. It was. Yeah, I'm trying to have to remember how what it was about now, but um, I wanted to look at how 
very socially conscious, and this is a label that they would reject, but socially conscious rappers working in London married the tension between a very capitalist structure of kind of selling and being independent and selling things Mm. (laughs) Um, and having socially conscious lyrics that were essentially the opposite um, I I just looked at how that worked and how actually even now the people I spoke to and and the scene that I looked at is hugely financially independent and has very significant economic structures that support their art with almost no formal training um, it was very class-led, very working class, very driven politically and just really complex and, and really intriguing. And I just wanted to learn as much about how they were doing this, how, how they could be artists, financially independent artists in this day and age with that mm-hmm. message. Uh, that's what I tried to find out. I don't know if I ever did, but they were all incredibly intelligent and very business minded but they never let go of their um view to see society change i suppose for the better you know it's it's fascinating just listening to you talk about it it reminds me so much of kind of late 80s sound systems um soul to soul and Mm -hmm. um and norman jay's Mm. sound system with that very yeah um the guys in Bristol that then became massive attack. It's that kind of thing that they were all very yeah. working class, very left wing, lots of kind of art school mm-hmm. uh, stuff going on as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's the famous story of the meet in, in Norman Jay's mum's house where they all, yeah. the London ones all came together to make sure that they, they didn't do nights in the same area. To make sure, you know, it was very, wow. you know, but it's a very business minded, but very, but yeah. very, um, um, you know, the, 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 um, the ideals never got tainted by the business, if you like. This is it. And that's so hard, I think. Harder now feels like it's harder now mm. to do. Um, it would, it's, there's such a scarcity mindset at the minute, um, pro- probably because of COVID and, and what that's done to the arts, but you wouldn't necessarily now consider sharing ideas or sharing where your, you know, your dates or coming together with a room. You might just be so scared of someone taking the one opportunity that you mm. have. So it feels very. It's, it was a different time, and I don't know. I just really crave some of that organization and that community mindedness. Mm, mm, mm. I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah, and collaboration like is. Cooperation is yeah. so much more fruitful than competition. Exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say, Bob. That's it. Yeah. Collaboration, not competition. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, and building everyone up together. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the thing. Because if you build everybody up, then there's a bigger market for a start. It's, 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 yeah. like, it's enlightened <laughs> self interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true so what 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 were the conclusions Uh, like i mean you've already sort of highlighted some but what Mm -hmm. was the sort of main conclusion Mm -hmm. that you drew from your research projects um if at the the risk of making it sound like you're doing some kind of viver at the moment um (laughs) what was your you know what was the sort of big conclusion that the the big idea at the end of it you thought wow i've that's what i found out yeah, there was a couple of big revelations in that all of them worked differently, but all of them were part of the same scene and all knew each other. And, and collaboration was definitely one of those insights. Um, but I think, as we spoke about at the beginning, a portfolio career and doing a lot of different stuff enables you to be so-called independent. Mm enables you to choose what you're going to do that was one of them and actually at that time videos there was one artist in particular who spent a lot of money on very good videos and he was able to capture huge audiences with them which then translated into ticket sales and downloads so 
I suppose, yeah, collaboration and video. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's mm-hmm. let's finish with something about these days, and yeah. also fits yeah, yeah, in yeah. with the idea that we that has come out of this interview of collaborations. Uh, the John Agar mm-hmm. poem on the album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did he come in and do a re-record of that, or did he come in and record the? He, I would have loved for him to do that, but no, we we took the recording and put it on. But his um, people uh, were totally happy for us to do so once they'd heard what we did mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're grateful, so grateful for that. And and that's another school connection, Bob, because we studied that poem at school, um, Daniel and I. So that was another thing that we brought from that oh, experience. Oh, brilliant. So when you came up with the, uh, let's put the John Agard poem on there, you know, how did that come around? I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. you both knew the poem from school, but. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think I was trying to write my own words over some of those parts and it just, I'm, it wasn't, um, we needed a distinctive voice, another voice (laughs) to kind of, prop up what we were saying I suppose and then it was Daniel said what about the John Agar poem that we did at school um and we put it on and it worked oh absolutely it does amazing yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) well I'm going to end it there because I think I'll uh, when I do the edit I'll end the the podcast with the with the John Agar track um Oh, amazing. That worked so well. Uh, But I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's been... Thank you, Bob. Me not know Oxford done. Me a simple immigrant from Clapham Common. I didn't graduate. I immigrate. But listen, Mr. Oxford done. I'm a man on the run. And a man on the run is a... Dangerous one, I ain't have no gun, I ain't have no knife. But mugging the Queen's English is the story of my life. I don't need no axe to split up your syntax. I don't need no hammer to mash up your grammar. I warned you, Mr. Oxford Don, I'm a wanted man, and a wanted man is a dangerous